Hey everyone, welcome to episode 15 of the Solving Problems Podcast, where we help you use story to reach more people and grow your church. If we haven't met before, my name is Jonathan Crone, and I am a story brand certified guide. Uh, normally, this is where I would introduce our co-host Kyler, but I was going to say that we and him had a falling out and that we hate each other now, so I kicked him off the show. But in reality, he's just on vacation this week and we couldn't make it work. Uh, to get him on the intro. So he'll be back next week. We're actually going to do an episode together to end the season up. So this week is the next to last episode of season two, uh, because we know we're getting into Easter time and you guys are super busy. And so we don't want to take up too much of your time during uh, Palm Sunday week, Easter week. And then want you to have some rest after that. So uh, this week, we're going to be talking about how to use story and the story brand framework in your leadership, whether you are an executive leader on a lead team for a church, or maybe you're just a graphic designer and you need to lead up and lead to people, or maybe you're somewhere in the middle, you need to lead up and lead down. So we're going to talk about how you can use the framework to actually become a better leader. And the whole problem we're trying to go after here is that we could have the greatest message in the world. And I believe we do. The gospel is the greatest message in the world. But if we can't lead well, people still are not going to follow us. So how many times have we seen a church with great preaching? They flounder somewhere because of leadership mistakes and missteps. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about how understanding story and specifically the story brand framework can actually help make you a better leader. And to do that, we're going to talk with Josh Taylor. Josh is a story brand certified guy, just like myself, just like Kyler and every uh, guest that we've had on the show. Uh, he used to be an executive pastor in a church for many years, but is currently his title is incredibly long. So stick with me here. He's the assistant vice president for culture and innovation and an assistant professor for ministry leadership at the University of Mobile. So Josh has tons of experience in leadership, both in the church and now in the education world. So we're going to bring the dance music back and then Josh will be on the other side. We're going to talk about how to use story brand to become a better leader. So Josh is here with us now. Josh, go ahead and say hi to everybody. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining us. Um, we've been talking about using the story brand framework in our communications, in our teaching, in our promotions, in how we plan events. But you've got a unique perspective about using story brand in leadership. Uh, you speak yeah. a lot about this. You speak to other churches. And uh, as a professor, you speak about this. So how the heck do we use a marketing framework in leadership? How does that translate? So uh, obviously with story brand and, and hopefully any good marketing framework is about clarity. It's about um, understanding one, who you are, uh, and then understanding what you're trying to communicate. And uh, that's where the story brand framework helps a lot of businesses figure out, okay, what is the story that we're telling? How do we communicate to our audience? And it's just really the same way with leadership. I mean, leaders uh, have so many things in their head. They have even so many things in their heart. I mean, leaders are just naturally passionate about things. And oftentimes it's hard for us to get what's out of our head and articulate it. Um, and as leaders, we need to be very good at articulating the vision that we have, the, the things we're passionate about and really the direction that we're trying to take people. Because if you're confused 
and you tell me to do something and my job is to run out your directions, then I am confused times two. Exactly. So we will never get to the place that you feel called to go to if you don't already have clarity on where you're being led to take us. Exactly. I mean, one of the things that Don talks about in his book and, and at the live workshops is this, this idea of the curse of knowledge. And we assume that people know a lot of things that we're leading. Um, they, they're not inside of our head. Uh, they can't read our minds. And I, I think that we look at the teams that we lead uh, as knowing what we're talking about or knowing what we're trying to communicate and they can be completely lost. And, and we get frustrated as leaders because it's like, okay, why do they keep giving me these blank stares? Uh, when I'm trying to move in a direction, it's because we haven't communicated very well. Uh, a lot of times we don't even talk about the problem that we're trying to solve in the direction that we give people. Uh, I think of it like my son, he's, he'll be four this week and he's in that phase of asking why every time I tell him to do something. And instead of giving him the answer that I think we all grew up with of because I said so, <laughs> I'm trying to be more conscious about explaining to him why I want him to pick up his uh, toys in the living room because you know, hey, buddy, we, we like to play in the living room and we like to wrestle around and we could fall on one of these toys and hurt ourselves. We could break the toys. So we need to pick up after ourselves and make sure that we're moving from one place to another and, and cleaning up after ourselves. So instead of just giving the because I said so, he understands why we're doing this. And so when you can explain the problem or you can uh, go in that direction, it is more likely to increase the good behavior and decrease the bad behavior when people understand why you're asking them to do something. And so using the framework, if as a leader, you, how would you do that? How, if you're wanting, do you have any examples of something you had to lead your team on that you were able to walk through the seven step framework and that provided you clarity so that you could go and then lead your team? Yeah. So one of the things that we did uh, at the church that I was most recently uh, part of, I was an executive pastor there. And when we started the church, it was very important to us that we didn't, become a programs driven church. And after existing for about 12 years, we became a programs driven church. Uh, I think it's just natural for churches and organizations to kind of go to what they know if they're not careful. And uh, after going through the story brand framework and, and, and getting certified as a guide with them, I, I had more clarity in understanding the direction that we were going and was able to kind of put on those lenses to see what are we asking of the people that are here. And so we had a meeting where basically we looked at all of our ministries and started asking, okay, are we asking our people to be involved in too much? And instead of just going down and say, hey, we're going to cut this because only six people show up or we're going to not do this ministry anymore or we're going to move these funds over here, uh, it went over a lot better when we could say, look, here's the problem. Here's who we are. Here's the vision that was put in front of us. And we've kind of gone away from that. And so we need to have a very serious look about what we're doing and what we're asking people to be a part of. And people on the team were a lot more willing to cut a program that they were a part of or a ministry that they were leading simply because they understood why it needed to be done. And it wasn't just somebody coming and saying, ah, that's just not his preference or he just doesn't understand it. So he wants to he wants to get rid of it. Uh, and so walking through that framework of one with churches, it's not necessarily always what does the character want but often what does the character need and then you move into and who, that who's god telling us to 
to be reach and be and yeah exactly yeah one of the things that i say is if you're a church for everyone you're a church for no one especially in the western world because we have a buffet of churches and so it's it's really understanding who you are as a church what god has called you to be as a church what's the vision that you have and then what is the problem that you solve as a church and for us it was we didn't want to be a programs driven church we wanted to be heavy in teaching scriptures we wanted to be heavy in community uh, an authentic community, but one of the things that we wanted people to do is be involved in their communities, whether they're on the, you know, the ball field or, you know, the the dance clubs or whatever it might be. The dance clubs that that goes back to your naming things, um, <laughs> but, but wherever our people were, we wanted them to be the church where they were. And so, if we were programs driven, then we, you know, people were at the church all week long, and they were not out in their communities being the church. Uh, and so that was the problem that we were trying to solve. And we wanted to express that empathy. We wanted to express that authority. One, in, in that authority, we were liberating people to not feel like they had to be at the church every day of the week. Um, and then we gave them a plan of how to do that. You know, how do you how do you get involved in your community? How do you be the church, you know, at your kids' baseball game? Um, you know, and then, you know, how do you invite people to either be a part of the church, to come visit the church, or even going to that point of evangelism and how do you invite people into a relationship with Jesus? So we kind of walked through that framework through our leadership style, but the biggest part of it for me was understanding one, I wasn't explaining the problem. Well, when we were trying to solve something, it was just, here's what we're going to do. And the other part is, and I think a lot of leaders miss this is we don't express empathy. We go right to authority when we're trying to position ourselves as the quote unquote guide even though oftentimes we're playing the hero. So practically speaking, as you entered those meetings about like knowing, Hey, we need to cut some stuff. We've got to make some changes. If you entered that meeting and said, Hey, we just have to do these cuts. Let's get rid of this, this, and this. You're going to make a lot of people really angry, Yeah, but you presented it in a way that said, Hey, here's God has called our church to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. So everything is on the table to see, does it fit into solving this problem? Yeah. And if it doesn't, then we may have to get rid of it or we do have to get rid of it because while it's still a good idea, it doesn't fit what God has called us to do. Exactly. And we would do that together as a team. Uh, it was, you know, everything was up. I mean, we literally on the screen just threw up every event that we could think of that we were asking people to be involved in. Uh, every part of the church that was on there. And so everything on that list was on the table. And then we would just go down and say, okay, what do we need to cut? Or what do we need to be okay with people not being involved? Uh, So that we can liberate people to really not be so overwhelmed with everything that's going on in the church. Because the reality is, is we wanted to move people into being fully invested into the church. And if you give people a list of a bunch of things to be involved in, uh, it's like you guys were talking about last week or, or the last episode of um, bowling balls. You know, we're, we're often throwing so many bowling balls in front of people of things that you can be a part of that people often don't know where to start or they're so overwhelmed and trying to be a part of everything that they burn out really quick. And, uh, and we were trying to move people to being fully invested into the mission of what the church was trying to do. Uh, and by doing so many events, we were really fighting against ourselves of really allowing people to be fully invested because they really just had no idea where to invest and where to start. So ultimately it comes down to clarity. And you mentioned that on the front end, like if you know, if you go through this, the brand scripting process for your church and you kind of get down to who 
God's calling you to be, what problems are you uniquely created to solve right now? Mm-hmm. Then that's going to allow you to have clarity on the types of things you do moving forward. Exactly. And, uh, and we didn't have these meetings until after we went through uh, the story brand framework and really took our church through it and understood really going back to originally why we started the church. So we understood our unique personality. We understood what was important to us. We understood the story that we were trying to tell with our ministry. Uh, ultimately, obviously, the church is trying to tell the story of the gospel, but how do we uniquely tell it in our community? Um, and then we go back to asking these questions. And so every meeting that I would have, I, I, I hate long meetings. If there's anything in the corporate world that I hate and despise, it's really long meetings because usually they're a waste of time. Uh, we usually go in there and there's not ever an agenda. And I'm not a huge structure fan, but I even story brand meetings going in and saying, okay, what do we want? What are we trying to accomplish? What is the problem we're trying to solve? How can we be very clear about that? And what is our plan to solve that problem? And we, I mean, we were cutting down our staff meetings from often just being in there in an hour uh, to cutting them down to 15, 30 minutes at the most. If I ever had a meeting that went over 30 minutes, I'd get really frustrated uh, because you can usually do it faster uh, if you just go in with a plan. And, uh, and so I would brand script, even the meetings that I would walk into difficult conversations happen often in ministry. And so I would often brand script the difficult conversation that I knew was, knew I was going to have, whether it was with a church member or one of our staff members, uh, if it was going to be difficult, I would have in my head, here's where I want this conversation to go. And at the end of the day, I want them to win and I want to be their guide. I want them to trust me. Um, and, uh, and being able to brand script what, that conversation is going to look like is extremely helpful and staying on point because I'm the worst at chasing rabbits. Um, and so being able to stay on point with that brand script is super helpful. So let's go down that rabbit hole real quick. The conversation you have to have with, let's use an example, a volunteer who you basically need to fire for whatever reason, something's gone wrong and you need to make a change. Let's walk through that brand script process. So the character, what do they want? How would, how do you, how would you do that? I think ultimately if I were going at what they want, they want to feel valued. Okay. So what's the problem with that? Um, I guess the problem that they're trying to solve or the problem that, you know, they're oftentimes when you have a volunteer that you want to fire, they're probably not receiving or at least feel like they're receiving the value that they have. Uh, or that they had to offer, uh, so they're not being paid attention to like they think they should be. Uh, usually, it's it's something along those metrics, and so they're either trying to get attention or they're trying to do more than they should be doing, um, simply because they want to feel that value. So, I guess the the external problem is um, people aren't giving me the attention that I need, and that leaves them feeling frustrated, overwhelmed, burned out, um, all of all all of those things. And why is that plain wrong? Uh, you should be able to see the value of what you what you do, and people should see the value in what you're uh, what you're working towards. Um, I guess if I'm firing the person, uh, the philosophical problem would be you know you're you're spending so much time doing something. Hmm. <laughs> philosophical problem when you're trying to fire somebody is always difficult because you don't want to work yourself into a hole. 
especially when I'm putting you on the spot with hypotheticals, no yeah. big deal or anything. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, context so, is everything. So they, they meet a guide and that guide has empathy and authority. How do you show empathy and authority, especially empathy when you go into a conversation that's going to be hard like this? Yeah, I think the empathy part is is one that leaders often miss. And I think it's one of the key uh, components, especially to a conversation like this. It's saying, look, I understand uh, how frustrating it is to uh, keep working and not feel like you're gaining any traction uh, or I understand how overwhelmed you may feel. Um, or I understand what it's like to be a part of something that is not in my wheelhouse. And sometimes I just needed somebody to give me the freedom to go find something that I'm, I'm passionate about or something that I'm really good at. Um, and so that's the empathy. Uh, I've been there. Uh, I understand how you feel. And I want to give you the freedom to find what you're passionate about. And, and the authority is pretty much built in by your position. Exactly. So you give them a plan. How do you give someone a plan when you're firing them? Um, obviously, step one is, you know, let's figure out a transition point or let's figure out one. What, what do you need? Um, where are you, what is your position in life? What, what can we do to help? So what do you need right now? Um, I think, two is what's this transition point gonna, going to be? And then three, uh, let's both move forward with the idea that we're both going to succeed. Uh, and what the next endeavor is, or whatever the next chapter is. Um, and a part of that third thing is, let me know what I can do to help you succeed. And then how would you call them to action? <laughs> take, your <laughs> stu- take your stuff and go. Uh, here's your banker's box. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go clean out your office. Um, I guess calling them to action, I guess, I guess part of it, uh, to me, it would be more of a philosophical call to action. To me, it would, it would be something along the lines of, now go dream about what you should be doing. Um, you know, go start thinking about what God has called you to do and figure out a way to get that done. Because I think going back to the value side of it, uh, for people that want to have value, uh, reminding people that you've been uniquely created to do something and to be passionate about, you have gifts and talents. I want you to dream about how you're going to use those to serve the church. And then success would be that they find the place for them that, fits those dreams and talents and failure would be they give up and they give up. They continue to be frustrated. They can, they, they burn out. Um, you know, they, they, they have broken relationships, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, the, the success is you're liberated to go dream. You're, you're liberated to go find what you're great at. So one thing to keep in mind for people who are listening is that the framework is there, but it can be tweaked and changed a little bit. It's not going to fit perfectly for everything at different times, right? You may in certain situations, focus primarily on the problem, the what they want and the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's the thing. And, and Don will even say this, you know, uh, that every, everything that you do doesn't have to have all seven elements of the framework. Uh, because sometimes it just doesn't fit. If you're having a conversation, you know, having a philosophical problem may not, may not always be the best idea. Um, you know, because it could work you into a a difficult thing, tweaking that. What do they want um, to what do they need? Uh, Sometimes in a different kind of brand script and the direction or vision that you're going with the church. Sometimes you need to ask the questions a little bit differently. Um, And one thing, if you're sorry to interrupt you real quick, if you've read the book, uh, Don mentions the villain in the book, that's actually being phased out almost completely because it's so hard to get the villain right 
and it brings confusion in. So as you're thinking through some of the stuff, like especially in leadership, there's usually not a villain. Yeah. No, 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 there's not. And you don't want to, you don't want to create that villain. And that's one of the, one of Don's points is when you create that villain and you personify a villain, sometimes you're stuck with that villain and you can't move away from it. Um, you know, it's often like when, uh, when organizations build their entire marketing campaign around a person, whether it's the CEO or something like that, well, what happens when that person leaves? Uh, it's kind of the same. Like Papa John's. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, whether it's Papa John's or, or a church with a pastor, I mean, what happens to churches when their ministry is built around a pastor? You know, that church declines significantly and they, you know, until they bring in the next guy and hopefully he's to the caliber that the, uh, that the pastor that left was. So switching gears a little bit, the for a lot of our listeners, they're not necessarily on that executive lead team where you were. Mm-hmm. Um, communications directors, creative directors, people in those roles, uh, that's where I was. You have to do a lot of leading up and leading down. So mm-hmm. how specifically can the story brand framework help people lead up and lead to their supervisors? Yeah, I think one of the things that we uh, will find the most frustrating is that we, we, we have a difficult time communicating to our supervisors uh, the ideas that we have and getting buy-in from them. Uh, and I think so when we're leading up using the framework, again, we ask the question, what do they want? What is the problem that they're trying to solve? And how do I help them solve that problem? So if we can communicate, here's the problem and then have a plan for how to solve that problem. One, that gives us a lot of authority there because we have a plan. Uh, we are notorious, you know, to complain about decisions that are made or to complain about a direction that we're going, but not offer a solution to a better way. And so if we've got a better way, or if we've got a way to solve a problem that our supervisor or our pastor has, if we can go to them and identify the problem. So we understand your problem and I have a solution to that problem. And then you can show, here's what the success would look like. If we do it, here's what's at stake if we don't do it. Um, so using that framework again, to ask those same questions, uh, is super helpful in getting buy-in from leadership, uh, getting them to trust you, uh, and really not being frustrated that you just came and identified a problem, but you'd had no solution to it. Uh, I wouldn't identify a problem until you have a solution. One of the things that I remember hearing uh, Larry Osborne, the pastor at North Coast Church in um, outside of San Diego, California, mm-hmm. we went out there to hit to their church to do some training, hands-on training with their team. And one of the things he said is that clarity is on, it's the responsibility of the person who needs clarity to get clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the responsibility of the leader to make sure everyone understands every little thing. And that was, that was paradigm shifting for me. I hadn't really thought of that because I'd always thought, no, it's your, jo- it's my leader's job to tell me exactly what they need and they should know what I need. But in reality, you may have questions that they never thought of. Right. So one of the ways that as I was preparing for this episode, I was just thinking like how, Um, effective it would have been if I could have gone into meetings with my senior pastor when we were doing series planning and saying, all right, so this is the idea you want to do. This is what you're teaching on. What does, and then just walk through the framework mm-hmm. uh, and get those answers. He may not have thought through the story brand framework. He may not have a clue what story brand is, but if you're listening to this, you obviously do know what it is. And if you could just go into that meeting and say, all right, we have this event. Like, what do people want? 
Yeah. All right. So what are the problems keeping them from getting that? Mm-hmm. All right. So how can we show empathy towards that? And then you get your answers. And as you get good with this and you do it more and more, you heard me and Josh just did that whole the whole framework in five minutes. It wasn't the best. It could have been better, but you can do yeah, the you basic the worst brand conversation scripting. you can have. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I, hardest conversation in the script. <laughs> but I mean, we, me and you could do a series brand script right now and do it in five minutes probably. Oh yeah. Um, so as you, as you get into this and use the framework, Drew Powell of, over at Crosspoint, we've had some conversations like not on the podcast, but he's gotten to the point where his team knows how to go through the brand script process for an event, uh, super quickly mm-hmm. and you get really comfortable with it. So you can lead those conversations. And I think your senior leaders are going to appreciate the fact that you're taking the time to really discover what their vision was and to really serve them. Because as you ask these questions, they're going to realize that you want what's best yep. and that you're doing what's best to accomplish the vision God's given them. And when you can do that, you become a valuable part of a team. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you're, especially if you're a communications director and you're leading a team or if you're a pastor and, and you're leading people, I mean, one of the best environments and cultures that you can create is an environment where people can ask questions. So you walk into a meeting and instead of saying, we're doing this, I would start with, what if we did this? And you're, you're, you're leaving room for people to either push back a little bit or to ask questions or offer more ideas. Uh, and when you can do that, uh, you can, you can begin to walk through or have somebody walk through the story brand framework. So if you're talking about an event that you're going to do, uh, whether maybe you're going to do a men's event or, you know, a women's thing, you can get to the point where you're asking, you know, what are we trying to accomplish and what does success look like if we do this correctly? You know, we, we often just throw events out and hope that they're going to work, but we're not quite sure how to measure if it worked or not. Here's what success looks like if we do this event. And if we can identify what that success should be, then we need to ask, why are we doing this event? And the framework gives you a unifying language. Exactly. So everyone in the room is running towards the same thing. They're trying to figure out what the problem you're trying to solve is and how you can help your attender get to what they either need to be or want to be. I really like what you said earlier is that a lot of times with church stuff, it's not what's the character want. It's what's the character need. Mm-hmm. They need like Jesus is calling them to do this. They need to become this. Yeah. So that's how we can, can do that in that frame and that, um, process. And another thing, just like people like talking about what they want. And so if you can go into whether you're leading up or leading down, if you can ask them questions, like Josh was saying, people like talking about themselves, then you're not overwhelming the conversation, then you're not being the slave driver of, no, we're doing this, and I need you to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the greatest things that you can do. And so if you're leading up and goes back to this is, is in order to get buy-in from people, you need to really make it their idea. Uh, What's difficult with that is that we often want credit for the idea, but if we can let go of that, if, if the idea is really important, or if we understand this is the thing that's going to work, how can I position it to where it seems like it's their idea? And I think you do that by asking questions. Uh, and the more you can get people to talk, usually they figure out the solution themselves. And uh, and that's the best way to get buy-in. So if you've got a senior leader that is just pushing back all the time, how can you 
make it to where it's their idea um, and they'll 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 be more likely to buy into it. All right, last question here because we want to respect people's time. In leadership, what's the number one thing you see we get wrong that the framework can help? Um, there are two things. Empathy is the number one. I think expressing that empathy, letting people know that we've been there. We understand how they feel. That opens up trust for people. Okay, they, he's been in my position. He understands what's happening in my head. Uh, one of the best ways that we express empathy is putting ourselves in the other person's shoes. Um, and the number two one, and I think this one is for churches, is our vision. We don't talk about success in our vision very often. Uh, I have a friend of mine who has a church in New Orleans, and uh, and I discussed their vision statement before. And their vision statement was, we are a family of faith on mission with Jesus to change the world. And that's what most church mission or vision statements sound like. A family of faith. Love God, love people, change the world. Yeah. And my question goes back to, and I push back on them a little bit. My question goes back to, okay, well, what are you going to do in New Orleans? How do you express empathy for the people in New Orleans? We always go right to the world and we forget Judea. Um, you know, we forget Israel. We, we always jump right to the world of the Great Commission. What are we going to do in New Orleans? And what does that look like if we accomplish this? So we're, we're a, you know, a family of faith on mission with Jesus to change New Orleans so that people can live in the freedom of Christ or whatever it might be, whatever that success is. Um, we don't talk about success enough. And, uh, and I think it's just natural for the church to go right to the negatives. Um, and I think we really need to talk about success more in our vision. That's really good. Josh, thanks for spending some time with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week's episode. Uh, we'll go ahead and ask you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, we would absolutely love you to rate and review us. Uh, we haven't gotten any new reviews since we did the push last year. So more reviews will help us get the word out to more people. So if you've been listening to the show, take a couple minutes, and not even a couple minutes, take a minute or two, and uh, just leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts if you don't mind. Next week, we'll be back with the last episode of this season. But if you're looking... For more, if you want to connect with us off the podcast, I am at Jonathan underscore on Twitter and Instagram or Jonathan Carl on Facebook. Uh, if you want to meet up with Kyler, he is at Kyler underscore Nixon on Instagram and Twitter. And you can look up Kyler Nixon on Facebook. But that's it for this week. We hope you guys have a great week. Hope you're getting some rest with Easter coming up and we will talk to you next week.